Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again. It is the incredible in the black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering them all from the perspective of three grown ass men who know when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. And I have a special episode of the In The Black Podcast. Of course, this is our Blacklight segment where we take a deep dive into the people, topics, and conversations that deserve a deep dive. But before we get into tonight's show, if you're checking this out on YouTube, please make sure you finesse that thumbs up button. It helps with the algorithm. It goes a long way. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well so that you don't miss out on the next video. And of course, if you want to become part of the family, you can always come on over to our Patreon. You will not regret it. Oh, and of course, as as usual, you can follow us across social media at in the black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter and on Instagram. Now, I saw a stat the other day that said that there are more female fighter pilots per capita in the United States than there are black male male teachers and then specifically black male teachers in the United States, which really shook me. And that ultimately became the catalyst for tonight's topic. We're gonna talk about what it is teaching while black and the state of education in the black community at this point. So I have a special guest tonight. Uh, My guest, Sean Baldwin, Uh, I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Brother Baldwin, what's up, man? Hey, 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 how's it going? It's going, it's going. Thank you, man. I really want to take time out to say thank you. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come and have this conversation, a much needed conversation. As I've introduced you as little as I can at this point, please tell our listeners, our viewers a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. My name is Tishon Baldwin. I am a middle school ELA teacher. So I teach English uh, six through eight. Um, I teach in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Um, I am also a PhD student at St. John's University. Um, Just got into my dissertation phase. So this um, show is actually a healthy break from uh, working on my (laughs) dissertation proposal. (laughs) Don't laugh. (laughs) So I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk about uh, the state of education from the black male perspective and I'm just looking forward to the conversation. Fantastic. Now, don't use me as an excuse when you don't do what you're supposed to do that you was out here <laughs> anagonizing with me on the show. Don't Yo, do that. I don't, my, I don't need that trouble. <laughs> Yo, my dissertation <laughs> committee check will be like, what were you doing last night? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay. Now, we have laid the groundwork right in terms of what this conversation is going to look like but i've got to ask the primary question the first and foremost what is it like being a black male teacher (laughs) 
I know it's a loaded question. It's a yeah. vague question, but I mean, I think right. I think we if we start from there, we can build off on everything else. So, what is it like being a black male teacher? Ah, man, yeah, it's it's such an experience, right? Um, there are many positives and negatives to being a black male teacher. Um, you know, we're the two percent, the two percenters. So I could say <laughs> I'm a two percenter. I'm in I'm in the upper echelon of teaching. So uh, being a black male educator to me is, uh, it's amazing. I, I love teaching. I get up every single day and I'm like, yes, I love teaching. I go to work. I love what I do. I love empowering the young minds and bonding with my kids, you know, no matter what. But there have been some interesting <laughs> happenings as a black male teacher. Like I've been the disciplinarian. <laughs> I've been the fight, the one to break up the fights, you know, I've been the one to uh, do lunch detention, just go, go to Mr. Baldwin, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, why did you send me the kid? You didn't handle it. I've been to talk to escalated parents. Like, um, it's just, it's just a lot, but the whole disciplinarian thing, I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Send me the kids because I'm going to take care of them, but why can't you do it? <laughs> you know, if get somebody else to do it was a person. <laughs> they, they just pushing it on you. I dig right. it. I dig it. Okay, so given what you've just given what you've just described, then do you ever feel out of place? Because, like we've already described, or how as we've already alluded to you are a unicorn in this field at this point. Do you ever have like imposter syndrome or feel out of place when you're coming into the school or trying to discipline a child or when you're trying to lead or nurture or guide a child? Maybe not, maybe not directly from the child themselves, but maybe from like a parent or your colleagues or from the administration. Like, do you feel sometimes like you're meant to feel like an outsider? Um, Early in my teaching career, I, I did because I was trying to find my footing, but now I just take up space. I want to, <laughs> I'm here, <laughs> you know, I'm going to say what I want to say respectfully, of course. Mm. Um, and I'm always going to have the mind of what's good for the students. What's good for my kids. Cause I don't have kids. So my students are my kids. What's good for the kids because that's why I'm here. You know, that's why I get, I get paid, you know, um, but there have been times where I've been labeled aggressive and I, I, I have a pretty calm demeanor. I don't know if you can tell that, but I, I'm pretty calm. I mean, I turn up. Okay. So I turn up when I need to, but <laughs> overall I'm pretty calm. I'm easy. I'm go with the flow. Um, but I have been met with a lot of resistance. It didn't make me feel like an outsider, but when, when you're trying to do something that you know is good and it's just like, oh, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. This is not, you know, we we can't do this. They can't do this. Mm. And it's like, you know, I internalize that. So that's something, you know, that I'm working on. But for the most part, I create my own lane. I pay my own way. I stand <laughs> up. I step up. I speak up. So, and I also give space for other people to talk to. And it's just came it's just come with the territory like you have to learn the people that you work with <laughs> and also the the kids that you're teaching so 
Um, you know, I know who I can talk to a little firmer. I know who needs a little bit more handholding when I speak to them, you know, instead of it being like, hey, do what I say. Say it with a smile. Hey, can you can you do what I just said? You know, so it it, it lands differently for people. And that's something that I had to learn along the way. But, you know, I'm just me. And, you know, people people go like me regardless. And if you don't like me, that's on you. <laughs> you know, I dig that. I dig that. Okay, so you've already described that. You've already explained that you work as a teacher, a middle school teacher in Brownsville, which is predominantly black for those folks that that don't know, right? Yes. <laughs> Being a, do you feel like your? I want to word this correctly, and I hope I'm I'm wording it correctly. Do you feel like your blackness is a positive or a hindrance in Brownsville as a teacher? I feel, I feel like it's a positive. See, the thing that I like about the school that I work with, and I know we talked about this a little bit, even though it's a small school, it's an intimate school, and the staff is 98% black. Mm. So we have that ability to make a real difference with our kids and the school community. Um, you know, previous school I, schools I worked at, I've been like the token black guy. <laughs> or, you know, mm-hmm. so it feels better to be with people that I can commune with in that way and bond with in that way. Um, because I'm not one of those hang out with your coworkers people, but I love to hang out with my coworkers now. Like, you know, it's like, all right, we're bonding. And that, that, makes it more um it gives more collaboration it gives more community because we're able to learn each other both inside and out outside of the school so i think that being at a school where the majority of us are people of color is very positive for the neighborhood because the the kids get to see varying levels of blackness principals hmm. black ap's of you know a a person of color the teachers are of color, the parents are of color, school secretary, right? So they get to see blackness and black excellence at every every level of the school, even down mm-hmm. to the custodian. So it's like, okay, cool. These are my people, you I know. Dig I dig it. Makes perfect sense. Okay. What I want you to do is just, if you could, just mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the experiences that you've had at these other schools, because I'm assuming just the way you've described it, that these other schools were predominantly white or major had more white than not. Let me let me say that. Uh, yes. And I'm not, you know, I love everywhere I've been. I've only been to three other schools, but I, I love everywhere I've been because I it has molded who I am as a professional and as a person. Um, but there were, you know, there were a lot of times where there was disconnect because some of the non people of color teachers were jealous because of the relationships that I, I had with my kids. (laughs) And it's like, okay, well, you know, do you know who likes to play piano? Do you know who likes to cook? Do you know who, you know, do you know what they do in their free time? Because I ask those kind of things. And I think mm. that it, it's that, um, you know, that passed down level of authority <laughs> type thing. Like, 
I'm in front of the room, you do what I say, instead of, you know, it being a open collaborative effort to create a positive learning environment with you and your students. Um, so, you know, I even talk to my kids about that too. When they're, when they used to be like, you know, just active, I'll say active, I would be like, hey, uh, I walked past the math room a couple periods ago and you were with such and such and y'all were quiet. So what's up? Mm. <laughs> you know, I would have those conversations with them and I would ask them in so many words is, is it because I'm black? <laughs> you know, um, and mm. when you take a step back, you know, you kind of see like, oh, have we been taught to respect certain types of people over others? And, you know, in a mixed school, it, it, you could see it, you know, and mm -hmm. it's not just white teachers, for example, it's, you know, all, all cultures, you can see the cultural differences, you know, like, ah, uh, you're, so you're saying there's, there's a hierarchy of respect in terms of cultural. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. 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 Oh, uh. Okay, so we do have some questions, and I posed this to you at the very Ooh, beginning while we were all here. We do we have some questions uh, that we've done a poll with our folks, so I'm going to be asking some questions throughout the course of the show. And our first question comes from Trent, and Trent says, his question is, how do they specifically, or how would you specifically combat, resist the whitewashed curriculum and school board politics? <laughs> I, you know, I, I approach... Uh... I approach everything black. <laughs> um, you know, when they ask you, what are your, what, how do you identify? The first thing I say is black. Um, so when it comes to the curriculum, the first thing I do is look at it. <laughs> I look at it. And if the story, listen, they don't care about that. <laughs> so I try to pick things where my students will see themselves in it. Like I do a lot of stories that are of New York City. Um, I do a lot of stories where the main the main characters are black or people of color because uh, let's be honest, these kids don't want to read Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you right, know, right. they don't want to read Shakespeare. They want to yeah. read other things like um, Jason Reynolds or you know, they want to read that kind of stuff. Um, mm. With my seventh graders, for example, we're we're doing Raymond's Run by Tony K. Bambara, and you know the main character is a little black girl, their age. Um, and she lives in New York. So that's something that they can relate to. So when I approach the curriculum, I'm like, listen, what's the skills? Cause I could pick my own material, <laughs> you know, what's the skills? I got the skills. I could pick my own material, but I try to make sure it's something that they're going to be interested in. I also try to pick current things, um, you know, about technology because they're really big um, on digital things. And, just stuff that they want to talk about. So yeah, I eavesdrop in the cafeteria. I listen to what they're talking about. And <laughs> you know, I try to incorporate that because that that promotes engagement and participation. And I now, and, you know now I've because learned, you're in New York yeah. though, because you're in New York and you're in Brooklyn, that's more that's a more, for lack of a better description, that's a more liberal environment. So you might not get as much push as someone who's in Florida, for example, or as a teacher that's in you're Florida. Right. Yes. But with the, even with that being said, I know that there has to be some, there has to be 
some battles that you've had to take a step back and look at and say, okay, well, is it worth taking this battle head on? So can you describe that or talk a little bit about that? Um, <laughs> don't get yourself in trouble. I told you before, I don't want to get you in trouble. I want you to be able to go back to school, but I, I, I want the real. And I, I, I asked you to be on, cause I know you're going to give me the real. So go ahead and do your thing. Um, a, a lot of the, oh, I need to back down because I have to do that is more around like the standardized testing, um, the way the tests are delivered, the way that, you know, the way that we are encouraged to teach like test prep and stuff like that. That's, that's the most, if I had to label a number one, that would be the, the most resistance because it's about data, you know, data, data, data. Funding is about data. What are your kids doing? We can get y'all some more money. You can get higher enrollment, more students, more money, you know? So at that point, that's when I have to, kind of take a step back right because then the kids are just numbers right they're numbers and figures so mm -hmm. then it's like all right i can't stray too far away because i want them to do well i want to encourage them to do well so i have to follow this program mm -mm -mm. okay all right we're going to take another question um question come one of our questions comes from queenie and queenie says Coming out of the pandemic, and you talked about this a little bit when we were off here, but coming out of the pandemic, we saw many reports about teachers leaving the profession because of stress, lack of compensation, and some would say undue burden placed on teachers. How do you manage the stress that comes with your role? And part two, what keeps you showing up day after day? Also, what do you think, God, she's in part three, also, what do you think we as a society need to do to improve the work environment for educators? So let's start with the first one. Uh, how do you manage the stress that comes with your role? Um, so I partially leave work at work, but I'm like teaching for me is 24 seven. I kid you not. Sometimes I wake up out of my sleep at like 430 in the morning, like, oh my gosh, this will work for them. And I grab my <laughs> laptop and I start typing and I'm like, why are you up right now? <laughs> you, your alarm's about to go off in an hour. You probably mm -hmm. still need to be sleep, but I just, I just get so excited about it. Um, on the weekends, I try not to do anything but like schoolwork. So Sundays is my absolute do nothing day. Don't call me. Don't email me. I'm not doing anything but what I want to do. So if I wake up, make my coffee, make my breakfast and say, I want to go lay back down. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go lay back down. <laughs> um, and I just have to keep self at the front of my mind because if I'm not good, then I'm not going to be good for my kids. So, um, 100%. it's hard. It's hard because I have that little itch, like, eh, you could grade these papers, <laughs> mm. you know, but then I'm like, yeah. nah, no, do not do it because then that's going to be an avalanche and you're going to be like, oh, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. They might like this. They might like this. And then my, my whole day is gone. So I really just yeah. kind of. I take time for me and that that's been the most important, important thing for me. Like, and I, I try to stick to it. Um, so yeah, my dedicated day helps 
it works wonders and it sets my week up. So um, then, you know, during the week, I give myself a cutoff time. Like uh, I had stopped grading papers around 630 <laughs> so I could prepare for this and get my mind right. So I hard deadlines, stick to your deadlines because the work is still going to be there. Um, mm. And you know, I get prep time so I can roll it over to, I can do it tomorrow during my prep time where I could do it tomorrow night. I'm not trying to fit it all in, in one day. Like the sense of urgency once I leave the building is me and on my weekends is me. So that's really, that's really what I do. Dedicated time for myself. Okay. I want to follow up with this question, just given yes. how we've laid this out. Uh, the next question comes from Lee, and Lee says, how does the education system in the inner cities, and he uses the example of Baltimore, how does it continually fail Black children? Ooh, whoa. You could have said that say that to the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the inner city, okay, this is a great question, by the way. Um I think we fail our kids because we don't fully understand our kids. Um, and it's not just understanding the kids as a student. It's understanding the kids as a person. A lot of, I believe that a lot of, you know, the behaviors, like the one-offs, are because uh, the kids don't feel seen and heard or understood. Hmm. And there's a stigma about inner city communities and kids that come from inner city communities. And that has been longstanding. Like the education system, let's be honest, it nothing has changed about it. Scores have not gone up. Reading levels have not gone up in the past 30 to 60 years. School has been absolutely the same. And that should tell you something right there. Um, and the failure also is standardization one size fit all one size doesn't fit all when it comes to these kids especially these kids <laughs> um you know we talk about covid covid affected everybody yeah. covid has desensitized the entire world and the kids are desensitized the most um but explain that some more for me break it break that down a little bit desensitized the most they don't care about mm -hmm. anything if we're going to be real, they don't care about anything. They're fearless. <laughs> they don't care about anything. Some of the things that come out of their mouth are very inappropriate and reckless. And it, the kids are really impulsive. So there's no, mm. hey, that, that little window you get before you react or say something, they don't have that. That, hey. Yeah, and their kids already, so that's, that's going to be the right. case anyway. I probably shouldn't that. say this, or I probably shouldn't do this. No, they just skip and do. So it's like, I don't know. It, it just created this space of I always got to defend myself against something. I tell the kids all the time, mm. listen, I'm not your enemy. <laughs> I'm here for you. I right. mean me, but you. <laughs> you know, um, I'm not your enemy. You don't have to defend yourself to me. <laughs> I did. I did. You don't have to be defensive to me. <laughs> I don't know about, you know, anybody else. else but but yeah, yeah, this, yeah, I did. This, this room is a safe space for you. I tell hmm. them all the time, you can come talk to me about anything. However, I am a mandated reporter. So 
be careful about what you're telling me because if you're harming somebody else, you don't want to harm yourself or somebody's harming you, I got to report it. But if you want to just talk about your mama getting on your nerves, you know what? My mama get on my nerves too. Tell me about it. Now, given what you just described, I mean, we, in preparation for the show, we watched a video about all of the incidences that teachers yeah. have to deal with. Um, I teach seventh grade, they are still performing on the fourth grade level. And this is one of the reasons why I quit. After a degree, after clinicals, after five years of teaching, one of those reasons is why I quit. That, that right there, definitely a parenting issue and cultural issue to the point where you have students saying, oh, my mother said I have the right to beat your ass to a teacher, to an adult who's supposed to be leading you. See, a lot of these parents really think that school is just daycare. And then when the child comes home, there's nothing that the parent needs to be doing to further their education. And what had happened was I had a difficult student who he would come in high, he would sleep all class, period. Wrote him up, wrote him up, wrote him up. Admin did absolutely nothing. To a point to where some admin were deleting my referrals. And my last straw was the same kid. Um, we were about to read. The audio was for 10 minutes and 16 seconds. 10 minutes and 16 seconds, I was asking students to put their phone away. And I kept asking him and he wouldn't oblige. And he turns around to me and he says, you annoying us. That day I put in all my sick time. I put my two weeks in. I walked out. I ain't been back since. My stuff's still sitting in that day. How true, how often, how accurate is that video in terms of the, the, I guess the, for lack of a better description, the attack on teachers, like the whole school teaching environment, especially from teacher to student interaction because some of the things that I was watching in that video, I I can't even fathom. Like, as a kid, I would have never even thought to say and do some of those things. But, you know, like we said, the Internet is not the only – the Internet sometimes is not real life. So that's why I want to ask you, how accurate was that video? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that video was very, very accurate. Like, um, and I don't – I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what changed. Like, I tell the kids all the time, when I was your age, when I was growing up, we wouldn't dare curse at our teachers, let alone roll our eyes at a teacher, because it was a level of respect there for teachers, even as adults. Right. It's 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 not there. I mean, once you've built positive rapport and relationships with the kids, but just like first level, hey, I'm just meeting you, respect it <laughs> it's not there it's it doesn't exist anymore it, it doesn't exist and it's it's crazy some of the things that come out of these kids mouth okay i can't but, even repeat it but outside <laughs> of outside of like the pandemic because we've talked about that the pandemic yeah, and COVID being part of it what do you think is the reason for that though because like i said i'm still trying to wrap my mind around just some of the behavior that we see from children in today's day and age and i don't want to sound like an old <laughs> grumpy get off my lawn type dude but you sometimes you see this stuff and right and i felt for the teachers in the video because it appears as though it's gotten to a point that it's really one of the things not the only thing or the majority thing but one of the staples of why teachers are leaving do you think that that's fair and what do you think like i said what else do you think is the cause of that i i think it's fair um teachers are leaving for a lot of reasons um student violence and disrespect like the video said that's that's real high on the list um hmm. 
it i think that um <clears throat> and i lost my thought i'm gonna come back to it um not only is it the the disrespect um from the students it, it oh it's because it's no consequences there's no consequences when that lady said the kid goes gets taken out the room given a snack and come back in five minutes that is absolutely true sometimes with or without the snack um wow. you know i've i've been in uh environments where kids have fights they're back at school the next day you know when when i was coming up and i sound like a grumpy old man too huh uh, <laughs> when i was coming up if you fought you got sit suspended right. <laughs> okay and the premise to that is if the kids are out of the classroom they are missing valuable learning time now i agree but at the expense of what class is 45 minutes i've spent 20 minutes in a discussion with a child just trying to get them to be quiet so that i could teach i only have 25 minutes to teach now and five of those minutes they got to pack up right mm. so at what point is it okay this is a real situation. Let's take care of the situation. Let's pull the parent in. Let's have a parent meet. Let's get everybody to the table. Let's have a powwow. Let's figure out the solution because I cannot come to work every day and argue with your child for 20 minutes and then try to teach for 20 so y'all can pack up in five because the it brings on different things, right? So if I argue with child A from bell to bell, Child B, C, D, and E are like, oh, child A is getting attention. Let me do the same thing. So now it's a, a domino effect. And now I got 10 kids that I got to argue with <laughs> for 20 minutes or more. Mm. And then mm. the it, the other kids don't want to participate. They, 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 they're in their shell because one, they're probably tired of it. Two, they don't want to speak up because they don't want anything to say, somebody to say something to them out of the way, right? So it no consequences. That's 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 the root of that problem. It's no consequences. Hmm. Do now, you think that do you think it's a parenting? And I'm I'm, I'm gonna let you finish your thought. Yeah. But do you think that what how what role does parenting play in it? Because I know that's a question that we're going to ask, and we ask very frequently <laughs> in the black community that our parents are not where they're supposed to be or doing the things they're supposed to do, so on and so forth. So I'm going to ask that question. Okay. What role does parenting play in what you just described? Um, you know, shameless plug. Uh part of my research for my dissertation is about the factors that impact. Uh, family literacy and parent involvement in black communities. So this is kind of in my wheelhouse, right? Um, <laughs> I want to say that there have been a lot of uh, parent meetings and phone calls that I've had where just speaking to the parent, I could say that cliche, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Jesus. <laughs> like, wow. oh, this is why your child acts the way they do. Cause look how you acted, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you know, um, it, it gets wild. <laughs> it gets wild. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, 
we're trying to come up with some solutions and you have insulted me 10 times. I'm going to excuse myself because that's not, that's one thing I'm not going to stand for. I am here to teach your child. I called you because we have a problem. And instead of letting it fester and become this big thing, I'm like, hey, listen, you should probably come in for a parent meeting. We'll pull the child in. We can all talk and figure out a solution. You're coming in here. I'm this, that, and the third. Ma'am, I am about to get my third degree. And I don't even like to pull the degree card. Don't insult me. Please. This, this. Mm -hmm. I have to just be quiet and excuse myself because I, you know, <laughs> I re I know who I was and I ain't too far from it when it comes to stuff like being disrespected. Um, so I just, I just excuse myself because listen, you only have to show me who you are once <laughs> I dig it. I and dig I know it. how to deal with you. And it, it's crazy because that happened to me. And then after the fact, parent wants to apologize to me no i don't want to hear anything you gotta say because you could have acted right in from jump street yeah. yeah and i, yeah, I yeah. you know i'm not blaming parents because parents are who they are right parents do the best that they can with what they have but what i've noticed is some parents don't believe the teachers it it's i know my child do you? <laughs> because if I could legally videotape your child, you probably don't. You probably don't know your child. And, and it's, okay. it's like, you know, it, it's almost like they're offended because something's wrong. You know, like, oh, I know my child and this is how I raised my child. However, school is a totally different place. School is the place where some kids let loose. <laughs> because they're not at home, right? Mm. And it's so crazy because the the thing that's going to improve education, and if I see this somewhere else, it's copyrighted, right? <laughs> um, the thing that's going to improve education is the community factor, the parents, the students the teachers, the administrators, the school community. It, it has to be a group effort. Everybody has to do their part because that's the only way. We have to go back to communing. We have to go back to being a collective in order for school to work because it's just, it's so far gone that one person can't do it alone. If I call you and say, hey, we got to talk about little Johnny, uh, little Johnny's language. I'm not calling you to get little Johnny in trouble. Right. I'm calling you because it's serious because little Johnny's language is impacting him, his learning, his peers learning and everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's just, I don't think that we call for enough good stuff, but what good stuff is happening sometimes. So when I mm -hmm. call, I try to lead with a, try to lead with a compliment. You know, your child did excellent on their essay. They got an A. Wonderful work. However, we do need to discuss the behavior of my class. Um, it's all about delivery sometimes, too. Um, you know, and I, I don't get offended when I'm in that place of being insulted. Um, because 
it it, it kind of comes with the with the territory. Comes with the territory. I can dig okay. it. Yeah. Right. But you know, I try to be empathetic because everybody's home life is so different. Yeah. Um, however, I also have like this much tolerance for adult BS. Can I say BS on your show? You can say, um, say whatever you want to say. Go ahead, Sean. Go so ahead. My, my empathy for that is little because adults should be able to adjust. Kids, they, you know, they're kids. They're growing up. Um, it, it's no, it's no collaboration with the parents, to be quite honest. Now you have some that are very involved. You have some that are on top of their kids. But there are also the majority of others that I know my kid people. You can't tell me anything about my kid. Well, mm. you know, mm. how about you come spend the day with your kid? You miss you miss work. Because when I got to argue with your kid for 20 minutes, I'm missing work. Mm. Interesting. Right? <laughs> um, what, what was your last question? I'm sorry. I think I... No, I was gonna, actually going to ask oh. you another question, man. Okay. So beforehand, we before we got on air, we talked about how you try to relate to your students and seeing how you grew up, up, seeing how you grew up and you tried to use that as the linchpin between you and your kids. But you said that trauma bonding is not the way to go. Please explain a little bit more. Explain that for our listeners. All right. So future teachers of America, especially black teachers, do not attempt to trauma bond with your kids and think they're going to be angels for you because it's not going to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my shameless plug. So early in my teaching career, I felt like because I was from the hood, let's be real. And, you know, my kids are from similar communities that that was our bonding point. Like, hey, look at me in front of you, the successful teacher. You could be anything you want to be. I am just like you. I came from the same environment you did. Them kids are trying to hear that. <laughs> the like, kids were not trying to hear that i had so many frustrating moments because i'm like i don't understand why they won't behave for me we're hmm. the same i i'm their role model <laughs> i'm their role model we all came from the hood why y'all not behaving <laughs> you know so I had to quickly get away get away from that. Do not attempt to trauma bond with children. It doesn't work. It doesn't work with adults either, but it doesn't work with kids, especially. Like Jesus. they could kind of they could see through that. They're like, get out of here. Get mm, out of here. Mm, mm. We don't but care. You did, but you did say something, and I think that it was pointing. I mean, you, you can't trauma bond, but I think as a teacher, you empathize. And you gave an example about the young lady raising her siblings. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, go yeah, ahead. And we talked about that. Um, I, I, I have a student who kind of experienced something that I experienced growing up, like adult giving kids adult responsibilities. So a uh, young lady had to wake her siblings up, get them ready for school, cook breakfast, take them to school and then come to school. And she was, not herself when she got to school. Like she was frustrated, she was snappy, and that's that's not like her. She's very bright, very sweet. So of course the antennas go up like, hey, what's you know, what's going on? So I learned about all of these things that she had to do before 8 a.m. <laughs> uh when school starts from another teacher. And I'm like, wow, that is 
a trend, right? That's like, you know, the the curse of the oldest. Well, that's what mm. we're going to call it, the curse of the oldest. Because I, you know, growing up, I was 10. I was telling you I was 10 taking care of my baby cousin who was a baby. Like, no, I'm supposed to be outside getting dirty, you know, going to play basketball, playing cars. I'm not supposed to be changing baby diapers and fixing milk and, (laughs) you know, doing all this stuff. So it snatches away the childhood. And Mm. that 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 plays a lot. That plays a lot, a large role in it because kids aren't allowed to be kids when they have these adult responsibilities. They're forced to grow up, but still have a child mentality. Like, yeah. okay, you know, I know, and I'm and I'm sure that this student doesn't mind helping mom. I'm pretty sure of that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that they have a great relationship, but it's like, at what point is this going to stop for the community as a whole? I mean, you know, we oldest kids, we don't mind helping out, but there are certain things that we definitely should not be doing. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. All right, we're going to take another question. I think this will be the last question for the evening, but I'll, we're going to take another question from one of our listeners, Addy. Addy says, we hear often about the lack of black male educators, especially in the K through 12 space. Can you talk about the impact of your presence in the school building on the students you work with? Um, yeah, we were talking about that. Uh, I, I like taking up space because I know my why I know why I teach um I know who I'm teaching and the little nuances and the little headaches don't mean much to me it's the I had a student find me on Instagram he's a senior now so I taught him when he was in sixth grade he's like hey Mr. Baldwin I don't know if you remember me but you was my favorite teacher that's what keeps me in the classroom Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm changing the narrative of how black men are seen everywhere. You know, I've gotten the, I'm aggressive, this, that, and the third, but I'm also a nurturer. I'm, I'm the fixer of the glasses that break. I'm the nurse, you know, (laughs) I'm the counselor. You know, I, I'm I'm the father, right? And I take that lightly. Some of my kids call me dad, which is kind of creepy. And I kind of be like, eh, no, no. <laughs> I dig it. You know, Mr. Baldwin is fine. But <laughs> I, I take that role, right? And I don't take it lightly. Because kids want structure. No matter how, how much they don't want to hear what you're saying. They want structure. They want to know that they're loved. They want to know that they're cared for. They want to know that somebody is in their corner. And guess who that is? This guy. So just, you know, the, it's a, it's a lot of, I've had a lot of uh, pressure put on me as a black male teacher. Um, Like the high school that I, one of the high schools I taught at, I was the first black male English teacher. That's a lot. That's a lot of pressure, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, I've been I've been the first <laughs> black male English teacher in a lot of spaces. But, um, you know, just knowing that I am positive, positively contributing to 
how we are seen, it mean it means a lot to me. Um, you know, it's hey, this profession historically has been set aside for white women. Let's be real. School started white women educators. Um, so then that started to change when women of color started becoming teachers. And then that continued to change when the men started to come in, mm. you know, and, you know, a lot of black male teachers, they the math teacher, they the coach, they the PE teacher, you know, they the science teacher. They ain't usually the English teacher. We out there though, but you know, they're not usually, you won't, you don't really think your first thought is not, I have a male, black male English teacher, <laughs> you know? Um, so just just my presence and the the high expectations that I have for my kids and that I keep for them, no matter who they are, I, I have the highest probably mm-hmm. expectations mm-hmm. of my kids because I see their potential and I want them to see it and I want them to tap into it. So if that means I got to be over your head every day, then guess what? I'm on your I'm on your neck. OK, I dig it. Um, but I do it out of love and they know that. And that what that is what helps me have great relationships with my kids because they know that I'm doing it because I actually care about them and I love them and Mm. I'm going to stick up for them. I'm going to go to bat for them always. Y'all might get on my nerves, but let somebody else say something about you. Oh, no, don't talk about my kids. (laughs) Do not talk about my kids because you don't know them. I do. So I can talk about (laughs) in a loving way. Um, I, I just want you know, if I was to to talk about the state of the 2%, we need more of us. We need more of us for visibility, for representation. We need more of us in this space. Hmm. It's, it's tough. It is tough being a teacher today. <laughs> it is absolutely hard. But it's so rewarding. Like, it is so rewarding to see your kids graduate and walk across that stage and just be so happy. Like, I did it. I did it. Mm. It's it's so rewarding to see your kids as little timid sixth graders go to be strong, vocal eighth graders. Like, that. that's something mm. most people don't get to experience. And to be like, you know what? I was a part of it. <laughs> that. Listen. I told you I, I love teaching. It, it, it's I just a it. feeling like no other, but it, it's hard. So let's talk about the obstacles. It's hard. I think it's hard for us because of perception, right? How we are actually perceived in these spaces, especially when it's time to talk. Hmm, okay. Because I've I've seen, you know, people be, oh, I don't like to talk to Baldwin because he's just you know, he just talks so abrasive and so rough and stuff. That's why I say you got to learn people uh, because that'll be, that's the fallback. I'm talking aggressive. I, I, I walk aggressive. No, I have a Southern stroll, actually. I, you know, I walk at my own little pace, but just because I'm saying something with emotion or passion doesn't mean I'm aggressive. It doesn't. You know, I, I, I keep other me locked up pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and I, I just think it's just the stigma that keeps keeps people away. And it, it's um, it, it's other things that, you know, it's a fine line, things that people don't like to tread on that'll cause like 
harassment issues and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like just like it's disproportionate discipline for black kids, it's disproportionate reporting also uh, for, you know, teachers of color, men teachers mm. of color. Um, you know, we, we even talk about that. Like, you know, if the girls start fighting, I ain't breaking it up. Because then I don't want to be in a situation where, oh, Mr. Baldwin did X, Y, Z. No, I didn't. I broke up that fight, right? Mm, <laughs> you mm, know? Mm, mm, so, um, and then it's also how the students perceive us, right? You know, if a child sees a Black male teacher as an authority figure, maybe reminds them of their dad. If they don't have a good relationship with their dad, there's contention there. You know, I'm going to fight with you just because you remind me of my dad. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't matter that you're my teacher and you're trying to help me. I just don't want you telling me what to do. Somebody else mm. can, but you can't. So a lot of that, you know, a lot of that is faced as well. I just, you know, and also it's just the way to get into education, the obstacles there. Like the teacher prep programs are great. I came through Teach for America. So, you know, mm-hmm. but I also had it in me. Well, short story. I, when I was in undergrad, I didn't want to dedicate like the school time to learn to teach because I feel like teaching is natural, right? You you either got it or you don't <laughs> um, as far as your classroom presence. But, you know, I came through Teach for America and they that's how I, that's how I ended up in New York. They sent me to New York. Um, and But I pretty much made my own way as far as a teacher. They gave me the tools, awesome tools. But as far as who I wanted to be in the classroom and what I represent for myself, my community, that's all me. And, you know, it it, it gets tweaked every day because I might have said something reckless yesterday. Maybe. But but how did you take it? What was the context? <laughs> You know, so it sounds like you just be saying reckless stuff all the time. I'm just going to let you slide on that, though. You know what? I actually don't. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, invite you, I'm gonna invite you to Brownsville one day. <laughs> okay, I know, you I know my wife will sit in on a staff meeting. I don't, I, I got you. I, don't I got say you. Reckless things. <laughs> I got you. Brother Tashawn, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you taking thank the time you, out, man. Thank, thank you for your story. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your input, man. I can't say thank you enough. Now, please tell our listeners, our followers, where they can find you if they want to find you and if you want to be found. How about that? Okay, so I do not. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all listeners out here the key to my success on the internet is the only thing that's connected to my real name is my LinkedIn page because <laughs> listen, I don't want anybody rolling up like, oh, I see your Instagram page, which is fine. Y'all can follow me on Instagram at King David underscore zero four. Please follow me. I, I do a lot of things other than teach, but it, it's hard to find me. My students always be like, well, where am I find? No, you're not. You're not gonna <laughs> because I want to. I want to be uh, a mystery. You'll find my LinkedIn page. Have at it, but you're not gonna find any of my personal stuff. So you can show everybody. Not nah, no, 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 no. No, no doubt, no doubt. 
Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. And I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore In the Black. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us, and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. And as I said before, if you really want to become part of the family, you can come on over to our Patreon. You will not regret it. But as always, until next time, informed, intelligent, in the black. Peace. This is, this is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black, bro. It's down one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. Bretchen, what up? I read a black of you, Bretchen. Listen, in the black podcast, think your lad is all facts. He don't like that, the fault fact. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Switch fast if you ain't raw, then you're It forms intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Rest of them are excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up here, bro. Man, a specialist. So what the podcast broadcast, y'all mess with this. Like said, they might cheat. Who no do it so effortless? I listen, them I learn. When them listen, them I benefit. Report and current event. Everything that is prevalent. This is so exquisite, the scientific experiment. Giving you the news, not views without evidence. Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments. Relax, these are the facts. Bringing them to your residence. In your house, or your tenement. Listen, they hear intelligent. Body filled with melanin power that's so unsettling bright in the stars bringing some light back to the desolate in the black podcast that your land is all facts you don't like that the fuck back in the black podcast they fucked up on the watch black up here chat me young flop in the black podcast that your land is all facts you don't like that the fuck back in the black podcast we all lost it will not them can not let them the can trust just like that, though. <laughs> 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 <laughs>